0: To handbags at dawn, the show that believes you should never judge a bag by its leather, because much like the women that carry them, appearances can often be deceiving. Especially when we're at the school gates, sporting giant sunnies over our makeup-free eyes and are so dry shampooed it's solid updo. Yay! I'm your handbagging host Charlotte Edmonds Here are some things You should know about me I'm a TV creative So I'm very Creative I'm a mum of two So I'm very tired And like many of us I spend a lot of my life Wondering if everyone else Is really as together And on top of things As they seem So I started a podcast To set about Investigating women's Innermost thoughts Through the medium Of their bags I found out many things None more apparent Than firstly Women are ace And secondly Many of us carry Emergency raisins It's a phenomenon folks This is the one Where we dive headfirst into the bag of an Olympic athlete who's incredibly skilled in the whole diving headfirst thing. It's a handbags at dawn first as we welcome an Olympic legend to the show. In 2002, whilst at Bath University, friend and GB athlete Greg Kirk encouraged her to try a run on the skeleton bobsleigh track and it turned out she was rather good. She pursued the sport and the following season after training for only three weeks on real ice, qualified for the World Junior Championships and went on to win the World University Games. She was the British number one between 2004 and 2012, winning the silver medal at the 2006 in Winter Olympics, taking the European Championship in 2009 and 2011, was the overall World Cup Champion in 2012, and became World Champion in 2013. This mother of two is now sharing her phenomenal skill and sporting experience with future sporting talent, launching her own performance and fitness training business. I'm totally starstruck as I introduce this frighteningly successful athlete, Shelley Rudman. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to Handbags at Dawn. It's an honour to meet you. You have... For the whole of your sporting career, hurled yourself face first on a sled down an ice tunnel at breakneck
2: speed. How did you get so brave? I don't think I am. I think it just naturally happened. And I think when you start to do quite well in something, you pursue it. When you started the sport, did you know you wanted to be world champion? No, I've always been sporty. I've done martial arts. I've done trampolining, judo, swimming, canoeing. I literally did everything as a child. I believed that I was talented at sport, I just didn't quite know what sport it was. It's so good nowadays because kids have such opportunities to try loads of different sports. And I look around now and you get talent IDs into sports, uh, fast tracks, so you can actually go to an Olympics so quickly. It's amazing. Whereas when I was growing up, it was still athletics, netball, football and rugby. And they were really the only sports I got a chance to play unless my mum and dad hadn't have done what they did. And they got me doing all other different sports. And I seem to get on really well. Well, with judo and athletics, and it came to the point where both the sports just didn't complement each other. So I was getting little injuries for judo, and they just didn't quite work. So my parents said to me, "You have to pick a sport now. Which one would you like to pursue?" And then we'll really focus on that. And what age was that that they um, said it's time to make a choice? Probably about the age of twelve. I decided to pick athletics because I really enjoyed it, and I had lots of friends at the athletics club. And a coach basically said, "Oh, you look really good for the hurdles. Can I train you and see how far we can get? I really think you're quite talented." And I thought, "Yeah, okay, I'll give it a go." And a year he got me to the English schools championships for track and field into the final so I was really like wow I can't believe that but he really believed in me and I think because he believed in me I attended the training and I thought maybe I can make it I always wanted to represent Great Britain in a sport and I really hoped it would be athletics but I think realistically I knew I would never be able to go on to a senior standard I just wasn't quick enough so when I got involved with skeleton it was like oh my goodness could this be the sport I had all of the characteristics to suit it So what like you know I was quite quick with my alertness my body awareness is really good I'm willing to take risks I love ski holidays Um, (laughs) we had an earlier conversation about me not liking the cold which is really true but as long as I'm wrapped up and I've got my thermals on then I don't mind it (laughs) how warm is the suit you have to wear it's not too bad put it that way you wouldn't want it on during a winter storm or anything I think it retains the heat for about five minutes and then after that you get really cold
0: when I hear the background of you being Incredibly sporty growing up, and then you found this sport. It sounds like whatever sport you'd have done, you'd have won it. Do you have this desire in you to just keep pushing yourself?
2: Kind of. I think although I'm, you know, above average physically, I'm still not above average to the top athletes. Randomly I was at Bath University visiting my friend Greg, who you mentioned earlier, and he had got into the sport, skeleton, and I'd already met a load of the skeleton athletes. And I used to find it really funny. You know, oh these skeleton athletes. And what do you mean? I just thought it was a really unusual sport. And the fact that they, it was called skeleton bobsleigh I thought was really funny and it was only through a bit of banter with my friend Greg going yeah you know let me try and let's see what happens but it was after we had had a night out in Bath and he had to train the following day and I said "Oh, I'll come up and watch and I might have a go he said yeah yeah, yeah. come up and have a go that is a hell of a way to clear a hangover <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was watching him train and I thought you know what I'm gonna have a go and I did and I thought oh, that wasn't too bad and it went from there but I literally took every opportunity that came my way with that sport there was a group of military men that said Do you know what we're going over to Norway, do you want to try and get on our military ice camp? And I wasn't in the military at all. A fortnight later I was on a bus going over to Norway with a load of military personnel and just thinking, oh my god, what am I doing? What am I doing? Make a decision, think later. Yeah, I'm quite impulsive and I do lots and lots of research. Then I'll park it for a while and then all of a sudden I'll just go. That sounds a really good analogy for your sport. That is.
0: So what makes someone good at skeleton bobsleigh?
2: I think you have to have an instinct to be able to Slide. slide. You see a lot just bang their way down for many years and <laughs> you just think right maybe it's time to hang up the spikes.
0: What's the split between being a daredevil and the physical appropriateness of your body? I
2: think with the sport you need to be able to push yourself and you need to have that sense of right I'm going to do this and see what happens that nerve to you know challenge yourself and maybe get a faster line or unfortunately sometimes not fast lines and then you do come out on your side but generally it's quite a safe sport. I, I
0: love the way you sort of say that safe <laughs> and you come out on your side. What's happening happened to you in the past?
2: I have had a few accidents, but I've managed to keep my sled for most of them. The curve can sometimes spit you out with the centrifugal forces and you may corkscrew out, so you might come out on your side, you might come out on your back, or you might literally go left to right and ping pong out. It's basically being able to handle that and correct it for the next run so you don't make those errors again.
0: How frustrating is it to be in a sport where you can't actively stop somebody else doing really well? (laughs) One of the things as a viewer, you watch the brilliant time and then it must be so frustrating being in that first position and watching somebody else just shaving a millisecond off. How do you cope with that? You get to the
2: top and you try and run faster or have a cleaner race or you alter your equipment so you can change the bow in the runners and the runners are the bars which are in contact with the ice. So basically they're like the tyres of a car which interact with the ground and so with our runners the more bow we put into the runner obviously the less or the more contact we have on the ice. We would change that element of our sleds. Quite similar to Formula
0: One driving and it's a sort of similar yeah, danger risk, but if you get it right, all Ooh, you get it right yeah if you look at it on the face of it it doesn't look like as much of a technical sport but it no. obviously is but your set is extremely important there's two stories I read about you both of which I adore when you were preparing for the Winter Olympics in Turin your community all raised the money they
2: raised money for me to help with equipment for the Olympics I already had the sled so lots of extra pieces of kit because the sport wasn't well funded when it was that Olympic cycle it allowed me to get my own room and really really focus prior to big events and I could just completely completely go into my own little bubble and and prepare better and it was brilliant i can't believe they did it even now it's just incredible and it really really did help just that simple gesture that they believed in me and they thought you know what you're doing really well let's give you something to help your performance and help you get on your way and i was actually in with a good chance of qualifying for the turin olympics and it was really hard so i was working full time and after my job i was going to training in bath so it was an hour there an hour back and just trying to juggle everything and perform and try and keep my life ticking along and they realized that i was making all these sacrifices and they thought you know what we're going to help you and we'll do a sponsored canoe race and lots of people in the village contributed and it was just brilliant the whole media and support around that whole event was amazing and I didn't really understand the extent of it until I went out to Turin because I was still in my little bubble and then I just got all of the press going oh my goodness do you know that your village are doing this isn't this amazing and everybody's at the pub watching your runs how incredible is that and I just couldn't believe that everybody was at a pub watching my races live what do
0: you think it is about sport that is so uniting
2: i think people connect with it so they connect with the emotions they'll have connections with the athletes as well so they may come from a local village or a local town near to people you may know somebody it could be a family member i think the fact that most people have played either football or they've ran they can connect with that world really well and they appreciate wow this person is really doing amazing things and i think it's good that people love sport and actually i
0: mean you obviously have loved sport your entire life and many people when they talk about the sport sport they used to do they say I did this for I was really good at that but I gave it up because it was just too much that I had to give up to do that a lot of girls give up in their teenage years when they discover relationships and some girls give up when they don't want to look sweaty the way you describe it is that it's extremely social it sounds like you had a blast with all of your fellow competitors yeah I
2: loved it I really really loved it and I've just had my second maternity break and I do miss that whole environment because you do you meet some amazing friends you get to travel the world you get to push yourself which I think is really important so no matter what you do in life you will always have to go for a job interview or put your cv on someone's desk or hit certain targets and i just think sport is a really really good way when you're young of preparing yourself for that as well but it's also a really social really healthy thing to do as well very good for your mindset too.
0: so you and your fiance are a match made in heaven because you're both athletes and he's an engineer Mm -hmm. and he's designed you an uber phenomenal super sled is that Mm -hmm. right yeah
2: has that given you the edge i think it definitely allowed me to test equipment before it was released so that was really good we could completely talk shop and I could be really honest to say that's not working or that was really really good let's use that for this race or he would say no let's hold it back and use it for this race because that's a bigger impact so between us we could negotiate and help each other on the track as well
0: you're very mature to be able to do that my husband and I can't agree <laughs> on I don't know a paint color in b q we have a massive Barney so deciding potentially my future sporting career based on a design this would be too much for us you're obviously a match made in heaven <laughs> I'm <laughs> A lot of women, after they have children, totally lose their nerve in terms of risk-taking. You didn't, did you? (laughs) Did you ever have a wobble once you'd had your first daughter? Because you got back on the ice.
2: Didn't she used to cheer you on? She did, yeah. She was amazing. I think I always wanted to compete in front of my children. So if I ever had children, when I was younger, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if you went to a really big event and your kids were able to actually watch it? And as soon as I had Ella, I just already had a plan to see whether I could get back, but I didn't know whether it would be possible. So I just thought, you know what, let's just see. The sport did put really, really big targets on me to get back quite quickly. How quickly? Quite quickly. Like (laughs) weeks, months? Like weeks. Weeks! It was a lot of pressure. Um, We had to have quite a lot of negotiations to kind of tame that down a bit because I had to have knee surgery as well two weeks after Ella was born because it just made sense to put everything in that rehabbing period rather than wait, rehab from pregnancy and then have a knee surgery and then rehab from that. So that was why I had to do all the timing that way. By the Um, way, that's
0: the first time I've ever heard anyone talk about the post-pregnancy time as rehabilitation. That's a sporting term, but let's all start using that, everybody, because (laughs) that's what it feels like. (laughs) Slowly getting back to normal. Well, your,
2: your body's changed your centre of gravity has been working in a certain angle for a number of months and you know your ligaments are flexible <laughs> so there's so many physiological changes that go on with a woman mentally you've got the whole tiredness factor and you know endorphins and just everything's going on in one go that you just need to take time out and rehab like you were an athlete coming back from an injury it's not an injury as such but it is a, a massive life-changing factor
0: <laughs> well although if you hadn't had the child but you are experiencing the post-pregnancy symptoms if you went to the doctor they'd probably hospitalise you yep. but, but they go yep 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 that's all normal and you go seriously that's <laughs> all is normal yep nothing to worry about here oh my god your sport must be pretty strict because you're having to lie down on your front and you're not even allowed
2: to do that in bed when you're pregnant no. so when you found out you're pregnant you have to stop straight away i continued training i limited certain exercises so obviously i wouldn't be on my back when it got to a certain point in my pregnancy i wouldn't do you know heavy weight lifting or heavy loading although i did keep up quite a lot of dumbbell work and the Swiss ball work so I definitely kept my definition. Towards the end of it I got quite tired anyway so I just literally backed off and I felt really good actually but with Sophia my second child I had quite a lot of pelvic issues so I backed off my training quite a lot with Sophia. You shouldn't necessarily stop exercising as soon as you fall pregnant because actually all the research and everything out there just shows that you know to keep active is really beneficial to both you and baby or babies. As long as you monitor it and get really good advice from the doctors you can't really go wrong.
0: When they equate childbirth to a marathon when I was going through I'm like oh I see why and so
2: yeah you've got to stay fit yeah
0: (laughs) you sound like you're giving some brilliant advice here now is that why you've decided to go into more of a training capacity
2: yeah I think it was a natural progression so I've always coached people and even though I've been competing I've always tried to give advice coach adults coach kids and because my daughter's at school now and I still like to have that bit of flexibility so I just thought you know what if I set up my own business I've got so many skill sets to offer people people from postnatal training to a high standard even just keeping fit that's why i set up my company so i'll be doing personal training performance training and the health training and the health training is more like obesity management uh, doctor referral postnatal all of those aspects
0: so you don't have to be a potential olympian to be able to train with you no
2: no no not at all no although if you did want some advice i'm able to offer that as well What's it like as an Olympic athlete in the run up to it? I think as it approaches to an Olympic Games it becomes really hard because it does become a bit of a pressure cooker and from our sport nobody really monitors it that intensively until literally three months prior to the Olympics and it becomes a real hotbed of press just wanting your attention and it's quite unusual because before that you're pretty relaxed, you can go to events, you won't have film crews there running up to an Olympics you'll have sponsors, we want to film you we want to do this and so you do it, no that okay. This will have a bit of a impact on my preparation. It's astonishing with an Olympic Games, isn't it? You have to hit it right once oh, every gosh, four years, yeah. and whereas
0: you have more consistency in competition in the Europeans, in the Worlds, and in the national championships, mm-hmm.
2: how hard is it to plan your strategy to hit that fourth year? I think it's incredibly hard, and it's only as I've done more Olympics, that I've just thought, you know what? It's not the be-all and end-all. If I don't do well in this Olympics, don't get me wrong, I'm going to try as hard as I can but there is just so much emphasis on an Olympic medal and if you don't win it it's almost like you haven't done well and it was really prominent to me in London 2012 and I watched so many athletes disappointed because they hadn't won gold and I just thought oh my goodness you are there representing your country and you actually got to the Olympics which is so hard anyway, you've represented your country and you've done as well as you have and I just thought I don't want to be like that if I get to another Olympics, I really want to enjoy the whole experience and come away going oh my goodness okay maybe it wasn't the best result and Sochi for me definitely wasn't but I had the most incredible experience and I think that to me almost dampened the blow of not performing as well as I could do because it's really hard in our sport you connect with tracks or you don't and if you don't it can be really terrible and not really a true calculation of what you are as an athlete I mean I usually rank top six in the world generally I'm not really off the podium and at the Olympics I finished outside the top 10 in Sochi and I just thought oh my goodness that's not really a true reflection of me as an athlete. When you came back,
0: what was the process you had to go through to get over it?
2: For me, the biggest one was Vancouver. So I was in amazing form in Vancouver. I went into Vancouver. I was just flying. I was ranked second in the world. I was so fast on the start. Just starting to connect with that track, which I found really, really hard. I had a terrible run into it. There was a death on the track, literally 24 hours before we started, and I was spokeswoman for the team, and I found that really hard. Deep down, it really, really affected me because I got targeted for bringing Ella out and everybody was very like, oh my goodness, you're going to compete, and you've got your daughter coming out. And I still had to remain positive because we all had protocol to follow. I found it really difficult, so I wasn't really in the best frame of mind when I went there. And also, when I was doing track walks to track and really mentally prepare myself, we had camera people following us to try and capture us on curves where you know the fatality was, and it was awful. I think I put a bit of a shell up around myself, but deep down, I was thinking I don't, I don't really want to be doing this. But I continued. My first run was disastrous, and I was all over the place, and I finished so far behind everybody and I just thought oh my god I've blown it and it was just really upsetting the fact that you spent four years and it was just awful and then I corrected it for the next day and then on my final run I finished fastest I just missed the medals I nearly set the track record and I just thought oh that's sod's law I've done it on the final day on the (laughs) final run (laughs) but isn't that As an
0: athlete, isn't that more of an achievement to start off not in the greatest place, but somehow find it within
2: yourself (laughs) to improve to that degree? I mean... It was one of those double-edged swords, like, yes, I could do it but it would have been amazing to have got a second medal it wouldn't have been gold or silver but it could have been a bronze I went away going I just can't believe that and it was a really really horrible time for me but I just thought I cannot finish on that note (laughs) I've got to go for another I want to become the world champion now I know I can do it so that was basically my fire to go right let's do this now and I did and I come back so strong from that so although it was a rubbish time I bounced back so much stronger and then when it came to Sochi I was completely ready. When you're in that sport with these incredible world-class competitors,
0: do you have to remind yourself where you came from to get to there?
2: Do you know it's where I meet people that aren't in the sport that I realise, okay, wow, you know, we've been part of something really special. Or if the Olympics are on the TV and you see the Olympic flame and you think, I was part of that whole experience, how cool. When you're in it, it just is so normal. I mean, there's such a lot of enjoyment with this sport and you have such a good family within the sport itself. So all of the athletes were really, really friendly, and there's real good atmosphere when we're all travelling together and people love that it's a real like spit and sawdust type sport it's not glamorous when you're doing it but when you're outside of it and you go to events and things it can be quite nice and that's probably the glam bit of it well the glamour
0: connection is a perfect moment to talk about your handbag (laughs) so (laughs) we have it here in between us what is this handbag and how would you describe it do
2: you know I wasn't really a handbag person until my partner bought me a handbag for Christmas and then I was like oh I quite like that that was very nice thank you but this was literally a handbag that I picked up from holiday because I needed an open top handbag that would let the sand out
0: oh I love that, this I is know. so practical <laughs> it's basically a sieve
2: <laughs> it is basically a sieve it's a Ralph Lauren sieve
0: <laughs> that's the nicest sieve I've ever seen
2: <laughs> actually I bought it and it doesn't really let the sand out it's a ventilated uh,
0: bag anyway yeah, it's
2: a ventilated bag so
0: shall we have a look inside for your first item
2: ok, um, my phone
0: Ah, so why is this significant to you?
2: Because I have to carry it everywhere with me. When you have children and they go to school, you just never know whether there's going to be the call to go to the school. I just like to be connected, but I love taking photographs. So whenever there's a photo opportunity, my phone is out taking snapshots. I love scenery and sunsets and sunrises. Photographs of your kids, photographs.
0: Isn't it great? People always say, don't they, when you've had kids, never forget a day, cherish every moment. And then in the next breath they go, oh, parents today are always there taking pictures. And you go, you know what, pick a side. You know, I don't know why I need to take take 10 to 12 pictures of exactly the same moment
2: yeah. <laughs> what have you been taking pictures of recently i have been taking pictures of my daughters playing because it's such lovely weather now and we've been going on loads of country walks and it's just been fantastic are you a very countryside person i do both really i really love to go back to the country but i like to dip in and out of the city and have fun so i like to go to a couple of bars and have a bit of a party can you do that as an athlete yeah. can you let your hair down oh my goodness yeah our after parties with skeleton are brilliant and i think everybody really Really looks forward to them because everybody's so tired. But once we get out, it's just such a good party, everyone dances. Is it like race ski but
0: Olympic? Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant.
2: I so good. I really miss them. <laughs> Are you
0: finding it hard to not be part of that no, competition scene?
2: Not actually, but it's really difficult when you see everybody compete and you think, oh, oh, I love that track. Oh, I wonder where I would have finished on that. But I still feel as though, you know, I could get back tomorrow and maybe perform well. I think that's always going to be there. Well, um, it sounds
0: to me like you're incredibly fit and you're still training. I'm, I'm and trying.
2: <laughs> it's hard some days, but I do try and keep relatively fit. What's your routine? At the moment, I'm literally just going on little runs, doing little circuits. Since you've come back to this area, how's your
0: life changed? Because you moved back to where you grew up, didn't yeah. you? Yeah.
2: So it's been really interesting. So it's completely different to... <laughs>
0: A spider is threatening me. What? It's smaller than a fingernail, but I don't like the cut of his jib. <laughs> do
2: you want me to get rid of it?
0: No, you? I'm brave. If you can go down Ice Track's face first, I can These sit next jump. to a spider. Don't make it jump on me. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. No, you've got butterflies. Oh, got a butterfly.
2: okay, butterflies. Welcome to
0: the country. Yeah, no, I love it. Oh, why do butterflies come near me? She's I don't care for your spider. beauty. <laughs> What's happening? What next? A rhinoceros? But this butterfly that's interrupting us, I once took my children to a butterfly display in a beautiful greenhouse, and there were ones the size of pancakes flying at your face. The children nearly had seizures. It wasn't relaxing. Why do people like to put themselves through that? Put them in an environment further away from my face, and we can enjoy them from there.
2: (laughs) you know <laughs> you know you're going to get hunted now by the butterflies coming
0: in my best friend's a butterfly expert there aren't many of those and uh, she thinks I'm weak I am about <laughs> many things butterflies being one of them other things I'm alright anyway <laughs> things that could actually hurt me snakes horses not frightened of at all not frightened tiny things that are just pretty <gasps> and very silly very silly so country life <laughs> the country life that is country in my life. hair are you, you're enjoying being here with your family
2: yeah I just like to be able to get out and literally walk the dog and not have to put the dog in the car and drive to the country so I really appreciate that what's your favourite way to unwind? sunbathing it's so opposite to
0: the oh, career terrible, you chose <laughs> yeah I
2: do I do like just chilling out I think once you've had children you don't get to do that that often so when you do it's like right my moment is now just leave me <laughs> I do like magic. I don't like wizards.
0: What else can we find in your
2: handbag? This is a bit random. Some antibacterial hand sanitizer. Talk me through this. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, when you're an athlete, you do not want to get ill. And the easiest way to get ill is by hand-to-mouth contact. So we have been just completely blitzed with wash your hands, use the hand sanitizers, wherever you go in public spaces. If I am in a public area, I literally will carry this and just use it, particularly in the underground. That is a close environment, isn't it? It is, And yeah. then someone
0: coughs, and it doesn't matter how many evils you give them. No. That isn't enough to propel the germs away no. from your face.
2: As an athlete, it's just your worst nightmare if you get ill before a major event, if you're on an airplane or something like that. It's just so convenient to just, you know, use a hand sanitizer. It's quite good for the children as well, actually. I do use it quite a lot not like obsessively regi- no I don't use it obsessively because you do need to get a few bugs in your system have you so, had an experience of illness at competition yeah I got played for literally three years where at the end of every world cup race I would get the flu Ugh. and it happened three years in a row the first year was against a German slider and I could have clinched the overall world cup title I had flu and I competed and I was just so so poorly I just literally led on the sled and I came second but it was on you still came second favourite track I was second in the overall rankings and then the following year it happened again uh, and then the following year I had it again and it turned to bronchitis and I was up in the mountains and that was horrible because I could hardly breathe and then the year after that I strained my back the week of my final World Cup so i second 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 I've kind of learned that I needed to boost my immune system at the end of a season that is so frustrating
0: <laughs> to do all that training and get that far yeah and be ready and then get flu
2: yeah what did you do to help you get the best performance is it diet sleep hydration for me a big one was sleep if I don't get a good Night's sleep. I'm not the same athlete. I am a nine hour sleeper. (laughs) I think, with all the nervous energy that we go through, the sport is quite taxing on your nervous system to get a lot of sleep. It really, really does help with your performance.
0: What would you say to somebody who's wondering if they could get into high level sport, whether it be your sport
2: or another discipline? What advice would you give? I would advise to pinpoint what sport you would like to get involved with. And if there is one that you think, yeah, do you know what, that could be really good for me, find out what the criteria is to. Try and get onto a development squad. So a lot of national governing bodies they will have criteria on their website to say we are looking for talented athletes who can achieve XYZ or have certain attributes as a person or even contact them and ask. Just say, look, I'm really interested in doing this. What do you think? The other way is work your way up through that sport. So get in there as a grassroots sport and start to work your way up the ranks because if you are good, it will be highlighted and you will go up there quite quickly.
0: When you're at school, you do a lot of sport. Everyone does, a lot of people don't like Mm -hmm. it, but you're encouraged to do sport. When you're a grown up, left your own devices of people don't anymore, do they? But taking up a sport and even if it's not to an incredibly high level gives your life incredible purpose and focus and structure, doesn't it?
2: Definitely. It's quite incredible actually. The people that didn't do sport when I was at school or they were quite negative about it they're actually doing it now. It's really interesting lots of them are getting fit and they're out road cycling or running and doing lots of the charity fun runs. I think that's really great. It just makes me think like what wasn't quite working for them when they were at school like, there must have been some connection there that was missed. In some ways you can't help it because you are limited with what you can teach in a certain amount of time. So a lot of schools now do dancing for girls, because they find that the girls actually really like dancing, and it's a good way to keep them active. Even bowls, Ella Dispensing, they're niche sports to mainstream schools, but within that sports body, they're big. There's a load of girls um, near here, and they all do roller skating competitively, and you just think, wow, you know, there's something for everybody. I
0: always ring up early. I've got
2: chicken in my head. That's "Cook my doodle do. So this
0: is the sound of someone telling us we have to move on to your third and final item. Mm. One more rumble in the bag. Okay
2: it's going to be a bit boring but it will be my wallet. It's very pretty in pink. I do like this colour pink. My phone cover is this colour as well. Fuchsia. It's a, <laughs> this is a stylish
0: wallet. Dare I say it, it's a bit bulging. Do you pop quite a lot in there or I'd are you like incredibly I rich?
2: This <laughs> receipts? I think first. <laughs> <laughs> this is receipts aren't they a pain? They're a pain and also receipts loyalty and cards.
0: cards. I'm so loyal to everyone. Me too. I have 15 coffee companies that I'm loyal to.
2: <laughs> yeah no this is Well, it was a lot of cash until my little daughter raided it and emptied it. But it's mainly um, cards. It wouldn't pop closed. (laughs) That's how big it got. (laughs) Are you an organised person? Um, Yes and no. I go through stages where I go, right, I'm having a complete blitz and everything is completely meticulous. But then all of a sudden it will go complete carnage. My car, for example, if I've been on a road trip, the girls, and I think you'll know this as well, they just completely make a mess of it. And I do in the boot as well, where I've got clothes in and out, bags in and out. It will stay messy with things that I need to clear out for me. Maybe a week.
0: A week? Oh, that's not bad. Really a week? Honestly, a week, maybe Ten two. Days. Ten days. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. I start convincing myself that I'm being a better parent for having a messy car because I am prepared. Yes. If we need broken breadsticks, they're all here, you know. If I need a magazine that has had juice built all over it, again, I've got it ready. Yeah, I've
2: got raisins in my bag, but you didn't ask for those. I've got three. So I
0: love the fact there's a box of raisins. There's always the rogue box of raisins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when i grow up i want to beat faster and you say fault unfortunately we have to leave it there today thank you so oh, much thank you for having me on
2: well how's your experience been it's good yeah really good you've got a really good voice for radio thank you but you look like you should be on tv can i keep you
0: <laughs> <laughs> if i loved you before double it <laughs> Now, if people want to find out about the new business that you're Mm -hmm. setting up and the possibility of training with you, how can
2: they do that? My website is www.shellyrudman.com and I've got Facebook, which is my name as well, Shelly Rudman, and I've got Twitter and Instagram, Shelly Rudman.
0: I'm sure you're going to be inundated with people wanting to mimic a fraction of your success. (laughs) You're really inspiring. Thank you for talking to us. thank you. I can't help you with any of your training needs, but get in touch anyway. We'll have a gas. (laughs) I'm at Handbags Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and Handbags at Dawn on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.
2: Bye. Mommy, I don't you now. Yeah, you can.
1: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.